Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. I imagine that by now, many of you already realize that in conjunction with White Crow Books, we've just launched the new Thinking Aloud Dialogues book imprint, and our first title is, Is There Life After Death? Thinking Aloud Conversations on the Leading Edge of Knowledge and Discovery with Psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Emmy Vadness, co-host with Jeffrey Mishlove. Our topic today is Harnessing the Power of Dream Incubation. My guest is Machiel Clerk, who is a mental health therapist, dream worker, and an initiated shamanic diviner. He is the founder of the Jung Platform, which is an organization that provides programs for personal development from a soul-centered perspective. He travels to Africa, throughout Europe and the United States, lecturing on soul-oriented psychological topics. Machiel is author of Dream Guidance, Connecting to the Soul Through Dream Incubation, He is located in Mexico City. Now I'll switch over to the internet video. Welcome, Machiel. It is such a joy to be with you today. Thank you, Emmy. I've been looking forward to this. and so glad to be here. You have been traveling around the world, exploring dream incubation and dream work. You've even gone to Greece and slept in temples where you can connect with Asclepius, who can help people with their dreams. And for you, it seems that this all started when you lost your father at a young age. Yeah, that is, uh, that is true. In a certain way, the uh, death of my father when I was 10 opened up to the other world, the world behind the world. And that world behind the world is, at one way, the world of dream, but also what uh, Carl Jung would call the collective unconscious. And he said another word and term for the collective unconscious is the land of the dead. And so the dead move from this reality into the other world. And uh, uh, at the age of 10, there was a massive heartbreak and disconnect. I didn't know about um, my father being in the the other world. He was just disappeared. And for a long time, that was a a dark cloud around my, uh, my, uh, my life. And in my early 20s, I started uh, studying uh, dreams and the dream world opened up and I reconnected with my father that was deeply healing. And I learned about uh, healing and guiding potential that's in dreams. So, yeah, that that terrible event at another way was also uh, the place that uh, uh, provided a deep blessing. So what got you hooked on exploring dreams even further? Well, mainly that uh, I had been living with this uh, unbelievable heartbreak uh, that I just covered up and it had uh, generated in a sense of depression. I was in a, in a dark pit and uh, dreams provided a lifeline out of the pit to a life that uh, reconnected to me to a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning, and also uh, provided a different worldview. If uh, you uh, really study dreams, you start noticing that there are some things like synchronicity and uh, other uh, 
states of consciousness and something uh, supportive. And by being connected to that, I felt so uh, uh, grateful and life became so much better that I never let go of that, uh, that lifeline again and, uh, and, and stayed connected. And sure, life goes up and down and it's not that uh, pain and suffering disappears, but at least there's purpose and meaning to the whole uh, enterprise uh, of being uh, on earth. Yeah. Did your father spontaneously come to you in dreams or did you seek him out? No, in the beginning it was uh, spontaneous uh, because I uh, I didn't even even really know that there was a that uh, that with, I hoped somehow there was a world after death, but I didn't even know that uh, from a, a personal experience. And uh, uh, and then so he showed up in dreams, and it felt like he was really visiting me. And these dreams, they they I woke up from them with such a sense of uh, uh, being with him and, uh, and, and a sense of healing that came from it that, uh, um, that it made me wonder about, is he living on? And then I met other deceased relatives that uh, also uh, seemed to uh, be autonomous and have messages for me. And uh, it was, of course, a very turbulent phase because uh, from a somewhat limited worldview, uh, my world just expanded significantly to, hey, there's a world coexisting to this world where where the deceased seem to live on, and uh, uh, and they're in the here and now, and we can still communicate with them. Not like uh, you go to dinner with them, but they're still around. And what it also brought is, it if if there is life after death, what uh, might be uh, the goal of life? What, uh, what, what will happen at death and what is important for me to do right now so that I arrive at the door of death in a way that uh, I will be satisfied both looking back as uh, with my ability to move forward. And since then, I imagine you've supported others to connect with their deceased loved ones or ancestors through dreams. Yes, and what uh, uh, it, it mainly is for people is just turn towards your dream. Your dreams are interested in helping and educating. They're uh, uh, trying to realize your own potential. Just like uh, the, the, the rose seed wants to become a rose and the acorn an oak, the human being wants to become a human being. And the, and, and, the, and the dreams or the soul communicates through this imaginal world about one's own potential, one's own wounds, one's gifts. And by just paying attention to that, something really uh, miraculous starts happening. And so when people lose a loved one, just start paying attention. And it doesn't mean that the first, second or third night the loved one shows up. But if you give it uh, several months and you're kind of uh, giving it the benefit of the doubt, you will start getting a lot of interesting information and experiences that uh, uh, people usually find very beneficial. In reading your book, it seems that having a relationship with a dream, inviting it forward, having an intention, perhaps even a question, can allow these types of experiences to occur. Yes. The, uh, uh, the old idea, uh, ask and you shall be given, uh, comes by, back in almost any culture and uh, any uh, spiritual tradition. And it also applies to uh, to the world of dream and its inhabitants. 
we can proactively reach out to the dream with any problem that's relevant to our life and ask for support or guidance or more insight in the, in the challenge that we face. And then it's almost like we visit the most interesting and, and smartest, wisest counselor, therapist that is uh, possible, the own deep self or uh, the divine or whatever you want to call it. And it, uh, and it will, it will support us and give us uh, some guidance. And so we don't need to just wait for the dream to uh, come to us. If we turn to it and say, Hey, I'm, I'm in trouble or I would like to learn more about this or can I be a more loving person? There's something in our own psyche or in our own soul that is rejoiced by us reaching out and is on standby and wants to, uh, wants to help us. And that's uh, what I describe how to do that in, uh, in my, in my book. It seems that it's a profound way of also accessing one's own inner knowing or intuition. Yes. And, uh, uh, I've uh, worked a lot with African shamans because I was born in South Africa. So, uh, my dreams brought me back to, uh, to Africa and I connected with the indigenous healers. And some of them uh, told me that the word intuition didn't exist in their language. They, uh, called it, uh, connecting with ancestor. And ancestor will be a broad term for anyone that's in the other world, deceased or never been in this world or spirit guides or uh, whatever beings that are there. And they are uh, just uh, telling us these things that we here in the West translate as, oh, I have an intuition. And they say, well, it's actually your spirit guide or your ancestor just uh, helping you. Right. And some might say it's your guardian angel. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or our past loved one. Yes. Yes. Can you take us to your experience of going to one of the temples in Greece and really essentially going on a pilgrimage of connecting with a long lineage of those who would go to these temples to connect with Asclepius to gain insight into their lives, perhaps receive even healing? Yeah, so there's this, what you're referring to is, an, is a very old tradition. And even uh, the uh, one of the earliest writings is about people proactively asking the dream and its inhabitants for support. And the best way that uh, comes back in all these cultures is to go on a certain pilgrimage. And a pilgrimage is both an external journey to a uh, sacred uh, place as an internal preparation for the night that we con connect with uh, with the spirit guide or God or the divine or the mystery or something larger than ourselves. And uh, so I also went to Greece and I, uh, and, and I mimicked this, uh, this, this process and I, uh, I, I would walk to one of these temples and, uh, and, and have the experience of, of walking there in a tradition that existed for over a thousand years where people would come from all over the country uh, with a question to the god Asclepius for uh, very often physical healing and sometimes uh, spiritual questions or practical things as I lost my son in the war or he didn't return, what happened? So a, a broad range, but the majority were physical, uh, was physical healing. And, uh, 
and then I would uh, would would walk in those footsteps of uh, of all these thousands and thousands of people who had somehow figured out that you can connect with uh, the healing forces, the creative forces through dreaming, but especially by building up a whole ritual, a pilgrimage around it. So it's not just, hey, dream, I, 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 I have this problem, help me, or I'm, uh, I have a pain here, uh, heal me. It is a real building up of a relationship to Asclepius or the, the healing spirit and, uh, and a preparation. So it is, it, it, and, and I, I've studied uh, it a lot and I thought what it really does, it pumps up one's own intention, expectation, focus, uh, one's belief. And then being in community where other people have had a healing experience will reinforce this sense. Oh, this works. And so the more I believe it works, the more it works. So in that regard, it actually also is in a certain form a, 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 a placebo. And a placebo is not nothing. Placebos work, but they don't work for what we think they work. But they, uh, they have a, they, they work based on uh, belief and expectation and intent and actually the whole ritual. So these were, were massive placebos or, uh, interesting ways to trigger the healing response. And that pilgrimage is uh, essential. And that's also what I think that when we do it ourselves, that we can best mimic a certain pilgrimage. So if you have a question that is really relevant to you, don't uh, think, well, I'm just going to write it down and, and, and get an answer. Say to the dream, hey, on Saturday, two days from now, I would love to get an answer to what is uh, going on in my stomach or how can I f be a more loving person or uh, I feel so insecure. What can, uh, how can I uh, uh, better deal with it? And then talk to the dream, prepare for it. Uh, have special food, put it all in, in, in a kind of a form of a pilgrimage. And I, I did that as well. And so I walked in the footsteps of these people, visited the place, felt the beauty of the place and, and try to get as close as possible to what these people might have experienced. And, uh, and it was very, uh, very healing to be in a tradition that is in the same way uh, as I and had lived uh, thousands of years ago. And did you have a powerful dream when you were there? I, the interesting thing is I had a very ordinary dream and I first was a bit disappointed. And, uh, and, and, and then actually, uh, by, uh, because I thought, oh, now I'm here. I get a special revelation. This is great. And it was uh, very ordinary. But when I, uh, when I thought more about it, it was actually, uh, very astute and it was just what I needed to hear. And it was very practical. So it, it brought me back to a very practical way of being in the world. It was just the right thing. So. Uh, sometimes our own mind and, and thinking, what, what shall it do is actually a hindrance in interpreting or working with the dream. I've seen that uh, more often that people think, ah, this dream either doesn't mean anything or, uh, it's too simple or whatever. And it's very often now uh, give it some time, let it uh, simmer. It's, uh, it, it is 
it, if, we, if we really work from the perspective that we're visiting this wise old counselor or man or woman or phenomenon that really has lived for millions of years and knows about our life and about life in general, and it gives us an answer, let's take it serious. Mm-hmm, absolutely. You have studied many different traditions and cultures that have worked with dreams for thousands of years. What have you distilled from all of those different practices? What I've noticed is that um, uh, there are uh, maybe two big ways of being with the dream. One is the question that we all know, what does this mean? What does this dream mean? And that uh, leads to a form of interpretation. The other is a far more, um, who did I encounter in the dream? Uh, who is visiting? How do I build a relationship with this dream being, this dream alligator, this dream burglar, this dream uh, figure, even the dream car? Taking the beings in the dream world as real, that we can have relationships with. And then uh, uh, doing a little ritual for them, making a drawing, talking to them, trying to communicate to them. And you see that that kind of way of being with the dream is is far more prevalent in any shamanic tradition around the world and in uh, 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 also the deep spiritual traditions. And that that interpretive way seems to be a little bit more uh, a Western way that is uh, now dominant and uh, uh, also had its place throughout history. But uh, those are two big uh, ways of being with the dream. And I really put a lot of my own work in how do you relate to these dream beings? And also, how can you sense the energy that is present in the dream? Because what you very often see, if I'm depressed, I might uh, find in the dream uh, an, uh, an, an the happy uh, uh, cab driver or uh, the upbeat uh, newspaper salesperson. And then I can connect with that energy of uh, the upbeatness, feel my own depression, and almost like in an alchemical vessel, uh, hold both states by which uh, these two uh, states of consciousness can come together and, and merge and then an inner alchemical transformation takes place. And that is very powerful because it's very easy to say, oh, well, don't feel depressed or uh, be feel more confident. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I know I want to be more confident, but how? But connecting to a character that, that already embodies that and you can feel it in your own body will help you do that. Yeah. You describe in your book how you use that embodied method when you were going through um, your own experience of depression. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, uh, was in a depressive phase in life. And then I reached out to uh, this, uh, this this Jungian analyst and dream worker, Robert Bosnack, that I had uh, worked with and trained with uh, for, for a long time and, uh, and, and uh, uh, experienced uh, these different states of consciousness. So I felt uh, the, the depression in my legs and how it was heavy and how the energy was, was, was flowing out of it. And then there were in the dreams different states of consciousness that, uh, that came in. And by working on that, 
my depressive face cracked open and uh, and changed and uh, luckily i started feeling uh energetic again because depression is uh, is very difficult and uh, instead of cutting it out or uh, medicating it which in some cases is uh, important but by medicating it or cutting it out it just lingers and if you if you work it and break it open it uh, transforms and uh, and there's often some value in it and it will do something. And, and that way you can get out of it as well. And, and usually more substantially. I would imagine there might be people listening now who might be thinking, well, I have dreams. I'm not really sure what they mean. Mm-hmm. Or how can I work with my dreams? I love the question. And, uh, and, and it's, uh, there's many, there's several answers to that. But one, one way that I sometimes uh, encourage people to do when they, st- especially when they, uh, start with dream work is asking the question, what is happening? So write down your dream in the present tense, because that gives more immediacy to the dream. And you will uh, better be able to be in touch with also all kinds of feelings you have in the dream. There's a difference between I saw an alligator versus I am seeing an alligator. And uh, by seeing the alligator, the alligator comes in the room. And now at once, I can start uh, uh, experiencing all the feelings and states of consciousness in that dream. And uh, then asking uh, the question, let's say I have a dream. I am uh, walking uh, in the street. I see an alligator. I get scared and I run. What is happening is uh, I'm just walking around. I see something uh, that is really threatening to me. And when I see something that's really threatening to me, I'm gone. Then the, the, the next question is, is this a pattern you recognize in your day-to-day life? And, and most often the answer is yes. And it's, sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, no, I know where this is from. This is my, this is my boss. Well, it's, it's, it's not your boss, but it's your response to your boss. You experience your boss as a friendly figure and, and you have an habitual pattern probably that you then, that you're gone. Other people might in their fear, uh, uh, kick the alligator. So they have an, an, an fight response. So you learn about your own responses and then you can, uh, you can work it uh, further, but that's a great way for people. So instead of asking, what does this mean? Ask the question, what is happening? Or another great question that people can ask is, who is visiting? Oh, alligator is visiting. And then uh, look at uh, the specifics or burglar is visiting. And of course, first impulse is go away, burglar. But then it's like, uh, uh, who is visiting? And be a bit curious about it. Because... Uh, uh, there, somehow your own psyche presents this to you and it's probably with, with a purpose. So why, why might burglar, uh, show up in your dream? Is it something that uh, you have in common or is it something in your environment? And then you just maybe look at burglar, you describe burglar, you, you notice, oh, burglar has uh, a hoodie on or not. Is, looks angry or burglar tries uh, to get close to me, to tell me something. And at once the dream, you, you, you'll start noticing an energetic shift in the dream by curiosity. 
And the nice thing of that is you don't have to know much about dreaming. You don't have to read all the symbols and fairy tales and mythic structures. You can work with the dream and get some of its, uh, its insight because then at once, uh, maybe then you walk around with burglar throughout the day and say, Oh, burglar, what would you do, uh, in this situation? And then you get some intuition. And Berkeley says, well, I would uh, solve it this way. And you think, oh, that's actually, uh, actually, uh, really, uh, really clever. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's, that's a suggestion for people to, to, to play with. And how would you describe what dream incubation is? It's the, uh, very old technique where people ask the dream a question before they go to sleep, uh, in order to get a helpful response. In the old days, it was very often around healing, but uh, it can be done uh, for any question that is really relevant to your uh, to your heart or to your uh, to your soul. And uh, that's in a nutshell, dream incubation. Mm-hmm. You have devised simple steps for dream incubation. Are you willing to give us some of those steps to help people? Yes, ab- absolutely, absolutely. It's, uh, uh, what I did is I looked at all these traditions throughout, uh, uh, well, first what I actually did was I figured, I, I noticed that you could ask your dream a question and that it gave a response. And uh, I, I, uh, I learned that a lot of people have figured it out spontaneously. So it seems to be kind of a spontaneous instinct that people already have. And uh, in the beginning, I just uh, started asking the dream all kinds of questions to figure out what does it say, what does it answer, because it doesn't answer everything, but it doesn't answer specific things. And uh, and I encourage people play around with it. Uh, I asked uh, the tree in the yard if it had the message. I asked the house. I asked the mountain. I asked if it knew the future, all kinds of things. And so I first did that. And then I studied all these traditions and I did that only as, uh, at a, uh, after I played for it for a year and a half because I wanted to build up my own uh, ideas before I read how it's being done in Buddhism and then just think that's how it's being done. And then, uh, yeah, being stuck in, 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 in a tradition that tells how it works. And, uh, um, and then I studied all these traditions and I, I noticed that there are you can distillate it to five steps. And uh, it's it it's, it's encompassing all with a certain sense of ritual. So if you start from the beginning with a sense, hey, I'm on a pilgrimage, I'm on a sacred journey to ask the larger awareness that uh, lives outside and inside of us for support and help on my life path, for something that's relevant to my heart, then... Uh, uh, you can go to really step one is what is your question? What would you want to know? And, uh, I can go into the steps a little bit more, but first identify that you have a question. Then step two is, uh, uh, think really well about how you want to formulate a question. Because I've learned that, uh, the dream is responding to the way that you ask the question. Just like if I ask you what time it is, you're going to tell me what time it is. And if I ask you a different question, uh, you'll give me a different answer. So you, you, you want to ask the right question. 
and also the right question will 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 help you further then step three is uh, create a ritual and the ritual is uh, 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 some 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 way of engaging with your question and make it symbolically relevant go to bed meditate on it sleep is step four and then five write down the dream because otherwise you forget it uh, and uh, and and engage with it work with the dream so that's in a nutshell the five steps and you can do that once but you can also use it as a way over time to strengthen your relationship with uh, with the larger awareness and uh, and be more connected uh, in that way you suggest that people write their questions down and then in the morning when they wake up before too much time has passed to also write down their dream. Yes. And, um, I don't know if you, uh, have ever had that experience that you wake up, you think, Oh, this is an interesting dream. And then uh, you get out of the shower and you think, what was it? It, I, I'm, I'm so convinced I would remember this gone. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and that has to do with our short-term memory goes offline at night. So actually, this, the, the wildest thing is our mind is still active while we're sleeping. We're actually uh, uh, awake. Our mind is awake. We're just not aware. And uh, so it doesn't store. And when we wake up, our memory uh, function comes back online, but it's not yet fully functioning. So we need to repeat it a couple of times to ourselves because otherwise the dream is gone. And uh, it has nothing to do with willpower, intelligence, dedication. Uh, write it down. And, and me after I don't know how many years, I still sometimes think, oh, I'll know this. And then, and then I think, how, how come that I think this? But yeah. Like capturing dew in the morning, I heard somebody say one time. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Uh, you wait too long before the sun comes gone. Yeah. And that's uh, the, the, the same with, uh, with dreams. But probably with any experience that we have with the other world, one is that we know that time becomes relative. And uh, uh, whether people have an uh, out-of-body experience, a near-death experience, uh, are in the flow, uh, time becomes relative. And uh, that means we're connected to the other world. So actually what is really important is that we figure out where in our life does time become relative? Because if time speeds up, it means we're connected with our uh, deeper self. That's uh, usually what happens in the flow. If time becomes really slow, we're disconnected from ourself. We're doing a task we don't like or with people we don't like. And it's just our own soul telling us this is not the place to be. And, uh, and so when sometimes people say what, what, I don't know where, what, what my talent is or my gift or my purpose. Look in those places in life where time becomes, uh, speeds up. That's probably where your, uh, your talent, uh, is hanging out. Mm-hmm. Do you really think it is another world? It's one way of imagining it. You could uh, think about it as uh, you have uh, waking consciousness, our consciousness that we're in right now, and beneath it is uh, a different uh, layer of consciousness. 
And uh, when we sleep, uh, we'll descend into another state of consciousness. Or when we uh, hang out with uh, our talent, these two starts merging. But a dream is, uh, if anyone has uh, goes back in uh, in their memory to a dream they had, they will notice that they were in a location, in an environment, in a world. They're somewhere, there is uh, the car, there is a grandfather, and they have an interaction. So the mind creates a world uh, at night. And uh, uh, so it's not a movie that you watch. A movie is very two-dimensional. It's not a uh, letter you get from Mystery Source X or your brain that's uh, to you. You're in a world where you interact. And uh, so just like we are in a world right now, Mm-hmm. And uh, when we wake up, that world doesn't disappear. It's uh, uh, that world uh, continues to coexist. And in uh, daydreams or in uh, even reading a book, what you notice is that if you're in a book, literally you're in the story. And again, you're in a world. You're maybe uh, walking uh, in Vietnam, in the jungle, and you start seeing it if you're really in the story. And you start seeing the trees around you and, and, and you don't see the rest in the room, but that world has re-emerged. So it is, it is always there and presents itself to us as a world. So the, yeah, these worlds are, are coexisting. It's like reading a, reading a book might be the imaginary world. However, our dreams might be the imaginal. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, the, it's, it's more or less the same, uh, uh, imaginative, imaginal world. At night, we call it dream. During the day, we call it a fantasy or a daydream. Uh, and then people, uh, uh, have different experiences of being in, connected to the other world. When people have, uh, report a near death experience, they are in a certain world. Uh, when people take psychedelics, they are in a certain imaginal world. And uh, so there's, there are all these imaginal worlds. And the world of dream is actually just one variation of the flow of life, just as a fountain producing worlds. We live in a world creating, uh, the soul is, or the life force is world creating, and it does that constantly. Even this world we're right now in is a world that we, that actually takes place in our own psyche. And it, uh, it, it is our own psyche that creates the world we're in. I see a different world than you see. Yeah. Just to get back to the steps for a moment, when you talked about a ritual, I like how you mentioned about writing down the question, focusing on it, maybe even building up to it for a couple of days or thinking about it throughout the day, getting really focused, making it simple so you're not trying to have five questions answered in one dream because you can get a lot of information. It can be confusing to kind of sift through what is answering what. You also give an example in your book about how a few people, one person for asking a question or getting guidance around love in their life. I believe they drew a heart and uh, 
I think they might have put it under their pillow or a person had a question around money and put a piece of money under their pillow when they slept at night to help them focus on it when they slept and had their dream. Yes. So somehow the world of dream loves to be engaged in a playful, imaginal, symbolic way. It is both that we, that we show to the dream. Uh, it's like uh, visiting this uh, wise counselor and, and being on time and uh, listening and, and just showing that we're interested. And we do that uh, also by creating something like this person with a love question creates a heart with a question, uh, with a question mark on it. And, uh, and anything that symbolically is, is has a resonance with your question seems to enhance the likelihood of an, uh, of an, uh, of an, uh, of an response. And this technique was also uh, studied uh, by, uh, by Harvard. Uh, and what they, what they noticed is that the people that asked a question that was uh, uh, relevant to their emotional life or to their health had a high response rate. If the question was too uh, abstract, it, uh, it didn't uh, trigger a, a, a good response. If I want to know uh, uh, what did my neighbor have for dinner, uh, my soul thinks, Magil, very uninteresting question. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, if I if I ask how can I be uh, more kind to myself, or how can I uh, communicate better, or what can I what should I focus upon right now, or uh, even questions like you want to earn money, great, of course, uh, uh, a good question. But if you phrase it a little bit more generous, like how can I bring my services to the world to the people that uh, would benefit from it? It, uh, uh, it, it, it seems to, the, the dream seems to, uh, help even a little bit more in those cases. If you just say, how can I have more money? It might help. But if you make it a little bit more generous, it, uh, it's more likely to, uh, uh, to trigger a positive response. And so that is why I also spend a little bit of time thinking about your question. And the ritual is so important because you show to the dream, this is important to me. You mentioned in your book a person who is exploring which school to attend, and you describe that they really didn't do their own homework, and the dream wants to support you, but you also have to do your own due diligence in regard to your own inquiry as well. Yes. So what I learned over time in my own life and uh, with the people I've worked with is that the dream is not uh, like uh, the genie and Aladdin. That is just a wish fulfilling spirit that you can ask and it delivers. It's more interested in really helping you. So like a good coach, it will uh, not run for you uh, the five mile. It wants you to run the five mile so that you get your endurance. And it also uh, wants you to do your homework first. So exhaust your own thinking. And when you've reached the point that you don't know, really don't know, then you go to the dream. So this, this girl wanted to go to a, a school on psychology and was uh, very quickly, well, dream, which school shall I go to? 
and then didn't get an, uh, an answer. So not getting an answer is also an answer. Then the dream tells you, I'm, I'm not, not helping you with this one. And in this case, it was, well, but start looking at which schools there are, which you're in interested in. Maybe you can figure it out yourself. And if you then still don't know, then you go to the dream. And that is, uh, that is important in, uh, in this method. Yeah. I like that you picked that up. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's probably not uncommon for you that you hear people say, I don't remember my dreams. What advice can you give to those people? Some people say, I used to dream, I never dream anymore, or I don't remember my dreams. Research shows that we dream every night, several hours, actually. And because of that short-term memory not functioning, we don't remember it. What uh, appears to be the number one way to trigger dream recall is curiosity. If you turn to the dream and say, dream, I've been listening uh, to Emmy and Magil today. It sounds interesting. Uh, I'm not sure, but I would love to, uh, uh, to have a dream tonight. Then uh, uh, you show interest. And then uh, the best thing, you, second best thing to do is get a pencil and paper next to your bed because the dream uh, disappears uh, upon waking most of the time. And, uh, and then write down what uh, uh, in the morning, write down, even if it's a feeling or a thought. And then within days, if it's not the first night, second, third night, you'll have a dream. So dreams just respond to interest, curiosity, and your ability to write them down. That's in a nutshell, the method for dream recall and, uh, and will work. Yeah. How, how is your dream life? How, how, how often do you remember a dream? Oh, I remember dreams pretty frequently. Since reading your book, and thank you, I have found that I'm able to connect with dreams much better. And they do seem to connect with the questions that I have, and I am able to get information that is helpful in my life. I, I love to hear that. And I wonder, have, had you ever tested, tried this method before? I have tried to get questions answered in dreams, but I don't think I was able to focus as much. I think that one of the key takeaways I mean, you do a really beautiful job of outlining steps, but also a, a key takeaway is that focus and really thinking about it. And I, and that's really what, you know, research has shown for these kind of phenomena and connecting with ourselves is that intention and attention can produce results most of the time. Yes. And how, how, how great that, uh, that you were able to ask questions and, uh, and get answers. Yeah. And, uh, I have a family member who's going through some health challenges and I'm helping uh, oversee their care. And it's a lot of responsibility. It's one of the most challenging experiences I've ever had in my life. Mm. I asked the dream what would help me with that. And uh, I shared a little bit with you about this before our conversation here. And it essentially seems that it was encouraging me to value myself more, recognize that there might be some others who could assist with responsibility and to seek out other ways for self-care that maybe I'm, I'm not um, allowing room for, which 
I'm aware of the importance of it, but the dream emphasized that more for me. And I think there were other messages in there as well. So it was a very rich dream that I received. Beautiful. I'm so happy that uh, uh, you got uh, some support in a really difficult situation. Yeah. And I think that uh, the, the supportive force is, is there for all of us, no matter where we are in the journey, whether it's uh, going easy, well or we're in trouble. Uh, it loves to help. And, uh, and of course, people figured out many ways uh, to, uh, to engage with the helping uh, forces. But dreams is just one that, uh, that, that works well. And I'm happy that it, uh, encouraged you to do more, uh, more, more self care and, and gave you, uh, uh, some suggestions around that. Yeah. And I'm a fan of many different divination techniques. Um, I've used I Ching. Uh, there was a several years I use it pretty avidly. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm also a fan of tarot and even, um, I was taught and teach others how to make their own intuitive or symbolic deck. And, and of course there's, there's many different ways to connect with these parts of ourselves. I will say that the dream seemed, um, because we know that in our waking state, when we're thinking or maybe even overthinking or maybe even <laughs> obsessing about something or ruminating about something or we're highly emotional, it can be difficult to clearly get information on what can help us in our lives. But in that dream state, it seems that we can maybe even access sometimes maybe even more information we could get from some of those other methods. Yes. And, uh, and uh, uh, all these methods have their own merit. And I also love the I Ching and, uh, and the Tarot and they they have their own uh, ability to support us. Then the, what, what I also, uh, in the same line as you think or have experienced is that, um, it can give a really, uh, uh, personal prescription that, uh, um, is just the, just the right thing. It's the, it talks directly to us in the dream language about our life. And, uh, and that, and there it is, there it can say things that even things like what kind of food would be good for me to eat. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult to have it. Uh, maybe there is some, some, some tarot spread with types of food, but it could say I've seen people, uh, hear people get answers like eat more protein or, uh, drink more water. To be really specific about uh, suggestions on uh, on life. Yeah. And how do you compare the sleeping dream life compared to, for example, the Jungian active imagination or what's now sometimes referred to as guided imagery? Active imagination is something done in this state. So you re or you enter the world of imagination. And then in an active, proactive way, you engage with uh, the dream figures or the imaginal figures. And uh, so it has some similarities by proactively engaging with the dream. But active imagination is done in the here and now right right away with the imaginal world. And in the, the dream incubation is I go to bed, ask the imaginal world to respond in the imaginative world of dream to my, uh, my inquiry. 
Mm-hmm. But there's there's many ways we can engage with uh, with imagination. I've also had precognitive dreams. Uh, have you? Yes, um, I have, and I uh, hear it from from uh, people uh, that some have it more and others have it uh, less. Sometimes people have precognitive dream that uh, their sister gets uh, pregnant or that a family member will die or someone uh, dreamt uh, about uh, that the basement uh, got flooded and then uh, two days later it got flooded in exactly the same way. And it said, uh, so there's there's something in, uh, in the psyche uh, uh, that knows about the future. And uh, so there's this 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 knowing that uh, is inside outside of us that knows about our lives, and I think dream incubation is one way of connecting to this deep knowing that can uh, can help us uh, in our life. So that is uh, one way of 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 thinking also about these precognitive dreams when people have them. They could go back and say, gosh, dream, I remember you told me about uh, my sister or you told me something uh, that was not really relevant that I would get a letter from my uncle and, and the next day it was in exactly the same envelope. It was there. It, uh, it wasn't life uh, shattering, but what it displayed is there is some knowing inside of us and, uh, and, and it knows about our lives and we can relate to it and we can start asking a different questions about our lives. So I think that uh, that is very helpful. But I wonder what type of, uh, of, of precognitive dreams do you get? Well, I have had several. Um, the one that is the, was the most significant for me, you know, people often talk about having dreams of deceased loved ones. I've actually had family members come to me before they were born. I knew what they looked like, what uh, their personalities were like. Um, actually, it was a situation, so you are <laughs> psychic picking up on one for me. Uh, apparently, they're called announcing dreams. They're often apparently had by the mother or the parents of the children. Um, but in my case, I had it for three of my brother's, one of my brother's children, um, three, actually all three of his children, and I knew when his wife was pregnant before she did the sex of the child the personality who the children would look like in the family and so those dreams really taught me that a lot of what we talk about here on new thinking aloud and parapsychology or you know what you're talking about how we seem to be able to have these various ways of knowing it really solidified that for me in a very profound way and the first child, I had dreams for the entire time of the pregnancy of what the child would look like. And I, and I even had dreams of the child growing up. Um, so it wasn't just the child as a baby. Beautiful. And what I also think is so valuable about it is that you, from your own experience, know that uh, the dream knows these things and somehow informs you about it. So it moves from a belief in something to an experiential knowing. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's also what I want to encourage people with, with even, you don't need to believe this, play with it, 
test this method of asking your dream a question. Because once you have the experience that your dream helps you and wants to guide you, you, uh, the, you, you have also a different worldview. It's not like maybe this is true or maybe, uh, or I believe it to be true. Oh, you know it in the boat. No one can, the whole world can tell you something, you know, my dreams know this. And you have a relationship with something larger than yourself. And that is, and that is so valuable. I, I was, I was lost that way between my father died and the dreams came that I didn't know that there was something larger than myself that could, uh, that was supportive. And uh, then life becomes very, uh, you become a bit lost in life. You're somewhat disconnected from this. And that's a painful way of being. Right. Yeah. It taught me, you know, people, people talk about, is there life after death? Well, it taught me that yes, and there's life before life <laughs> and, and that circle of life. And those dreams happen spontaneously for me or seemingly spontaneous. I didn't intend to that, for that to happen because it was, no one knew that the mother was pregnant at the time. For those who are listening, they may be wondering, well, how can I have a precognitive dream? It comes down with uh, why would you want to, what would you want to know and why would you want to know that? And uh, uh, if it serves, usually dreams that serve your life journey or your process of becoming more aware or more loving, more caring, or what Jung would call individuation, uh, the dream is, uh, it will, will, will be, uh, happy to help. If you just want to know something too abstract or random, it, it's more difficult. So if you want to know, think about what you want to know, why you want to know it, and then ask the dream and uh, just tell it, uh, dream. I, uh, curious if you can tell me uh, the following and, uh, and see what happens. And if it doesn't tell you, you just rephrase it or you say, oh, maybe that wasn't the right question. Maybe I should uh, more have asked uh, something about how, uh, how can I be more, a be a more loving person or what is something uh, that is important for me to know and then see what the dream says. Mm -hmm. What kind of precognitive dreams have you had? The most striking were dreams in which uh, uh, they started to announce uh, the death of uh, of loved ones, and usually uh, months in advance, uh, they they start coming and uh, and, and announce that uh, so and so is uh, is is ready to move to the other side, and that is of course at one hand very sad, and on the other hand it gives time to uh, prepare to say goodbye, to spend time, to do the things you, that I always wanted to do. And uh, it doesn't uh, help with uh, the heartbreak that inevitably comes, but at least I was prepared. Mm -hmm, exactly. What are your thoughts then about free will if we have precognitive dreams, such as a loved one or a soul member coming into the life or one moving to another dimension? I love that question. And I also uh, thought about it deeply. My uh, thinking brought me to uh, 
the notion that I think uh, there is free will and that uh, uh, the, the future is uh, usually uh, is not fixed. But some patterns are so far uh, unfolding that uh, the dream can uh, predict that uh, or this uh, seed is planted in the right uh, soil and so you'll get a sunflower. And uh, so it's not so much that it says what happens in the future, but it makes an accurate prediction from the here and now over a pattern that will uh, unfold. It could also predict if you go uh, out tomorrow, you might have a car crash and, uh, and, uh, and, and by free will, you can stay home and avoid a car crash. A little simply simplified, uh, but uh, there's constant free will and therefore, uh, and, and, and pretty broad samples, I and other people have also seen, can people predict uh, uh, what's happening in a year? What is the uh, going to be the headline in the New York Times in two weeks? Mm-hmm. And because uh, all these events continue to, uh, to, to, to engage and this person decides this and this and this and, and billions and billions of little things are, are constantly interacting. And so it's an, it's a constant creation and the creation of what the future is going to be is not fixed because if people make different decisions, life will be, uh, will be different. But some, some things seem like with, uh, with your, the children coming, they're on their way. It's a specific child. And now because it's already on its way, who it's going to be. Yeah. That is, that is going to unfold in time. And so the dream can accurately predict, describe what's going to happen because that, that wave is, uh, is on its way. There are even remote viewers, such as those who have worked with Stefan Schwartz, who are looking into the future, and they've even remote viewed the year 2060. And he's done this in the past, and it's come out to be pretty highly accurate what they had yeah. predicted for the future if the pattern is uh, is uh, is is on its way we can predict it and other things um, might uh, might might still be open to uh, interaction by people it's for example not fixed who's i think who's going to be the president uh, in 2024 in the us but uh, the closer you get to it, uh, the more accurate the dream will be able to predict it. But if enough people at the last moment change their mind, it uh, it might uh, have a different outcome. Yeah, there's collective, individual and collective free will. Yeah. Can a dream lead us astray? A great question. A lot of people uh, uh, wonder about that. And uh, um, dreams have uh, uh, dreams. Well, our interpretation of the dream can lead us astray. Uh, dreams are not malicious in that they uh, that they want to lead us astray. But I have seen that sometimes, not only in dreams, people are being led to, for example, Atlanta. Then they think, oh, somehow Atlanta is important. But uh, it wasn't really Atlanta what was important. They needed to be in Atlanta so that they could go to Chicago. Uh, and they would never have gone to Chicago if they hadn't gotten the information in Atlanta. So it's not that uh, they were astray by being led to go to Atlanta. 
but in Atlanta was the information for them to move on. So life unfolds. It's like water flowing to uh, to the ocean. Uh, water is uh, not uh, malicious in its uh, attempt, but finds uh, the most easy way to get uh, to the ocean. And dreams uh, are similar in that in that regard. You brought up interpretation. What are some of the ways that people can interpret their dreams? An easy way for uh, for interpretation is uh, asking uh, the question. Uh, what do I associate to this symbol? So let's say uh, you have uh, you have uh, the alligator because it came up now a couple of times. What do I associate to alligator? And it is uh, oh, alligators are uh, are really aggressive. Then it is so uh, oh, aggression takes on the form and shape of alligator, and uh, is uh, is now present. And you can see what uh, what aggression is doing, or maybe. Uh, I'm uh, having this conversation with you in the dream, and then uh, my former boss steps in and he shakes his head. Then the question is, who who is uh, who's former boss to you? And then I would say, oh, for my former boss was really critical. Then criticalness takes on the form and shape of my former boss. And there you see that dream interpretation is an is an personal activity. Uh, it is not an, uh, uh, because uh, his wife will probably say, oh, he's such a nice, uh, he's such a caring husband. So he's a completely different experience. Or uh, someone else in the company might say, he's so supportive. Oh, for him, it's supportive. And then if, it, if, the, if, the, if that boss shows up in, in his or her dream, it might be, oh, supportive, supportive, supportive uh, force is showing up. And so... The association technique helps by figuring out what kind of state of consciousness shows up in the dream. And, uh, and you can go just in, through your whole dream and ask, what do I associate to this? And then you figure it out. And then you look a little bit at the pattern. What kind of pattern, almost like if it's a, if it's a play, what's the beginning, the middle and the end? What is happening in this play with these, uh, uh, I'm talking to Emmy in my dream about dreams. Then my boss comes in as a manifestation of my own criticalness and it becomes uh, dismissive. And then I respond to it in whatever way. And then I get some sense of, oh, this, this is a feeling pattern that you also probably live out in your day-to-day life. And then you can start working on it. Can a trickster show up in a dream or what some might perceive as a dark or evil spirit or entity? Yes, they can. Um, it also has, uh, it's also a reflection sometimes of where we are in our own lives. So I've seen with people that uh, are addicts that they have uh, way more uh, dark uh, figures show up than, uh, than people that, uh, that aren't. I think if you if you start using drugs and become an addict and uh, not uh, uh, what belongs to being an addict is usually that you start stealing and lying and and cheating and somehow that uh, not only in your outer world you will be uh, hanging out with people that steal lie and cheat but also in the uh, in, in the psychological inner world or in the dream world you get more uh, you, more resonance with 
with uh, with darker states of uh, of being and uh, and and so yes that can and uh, and and there are people that proactively seek out uh, those states and you don't get happy there but uh, it happens what would you suggest for somebody if they are deciphering what is a benevolent versus a malevolent force in their dream? Uh, w- w- one way is to uh, go back to uh, some of these spiritual traditions that uh, look at uh, the fruit that the tree carries to figure out what kind of tree it is. And uh, is uh, the activity that this figure uh, suggests uh, to the benefit of you and other people or, uh, or not? What kind of fruit uh, comes from it? That's one way. I've seen uh, also with people, uh, especially in, uh, in in sleep paralysis, that they feel that uh, that there are dark forces sitting on their chest or around, and uh, and then it's always good to uh, to uh, uh, just align yourself with uh, uh, constructive, creative uh, intentions, spirits, and 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 say. Uh, I want to uh, be a more uh, loving person. I want to give uh, my uh, my gifts to community. Then uh, you don't have to figure out these dark forces, but you just move to uh, a place that is more light, and uh, the dark spirits seem uh, seem uh, to give up on you because you uh, you start uh, helping others, and uh, that is usually a, a fast way to get rid of uh, of. Of dark uh, forces. Yeah, and that may be also why people pray or sometimes uh, ask for protection before they go to sleep at night. Yeah, that that also helps. It's another form of intention setting. You reach out to uh, the larger awareness and say, "I'm afraid. I don't like this. I don't want to hang out with uh, with dark forces." Uh, maybe I, uh, there was something, uh, that happened to me, like I had a heartbreak and there was a lot of rage or jealousy or in, and, and I want to heal that again so that my own, uh, darkness doesn't become a door through which other dark energies, uh, can, can come in. Uh, let me heal, let me, uh, grow and, uh, and, and tell me how to do it. And just setting that intention and following through on it will help a person uh, move back to uh, a stable, uh, stable, more stable place. You also describe in your book how ultimately the dream can give you guidance, but the personal responsibility is up to you. Yes. And, and there is the, the, the sense of free will and personal responsibility coming back. So there's us and the larger awareness. And the larger awareness can uh, suggest uh, eat more carrots. And then it's up to us whether we do it or not. And the interesting thing is that I've learned from my own experiences and, and following this, that the larger awareness is really non-judgmental. If we follow it, it loves us. If we don't follow it, it loves us. But there are consequences to our behavior. If we don't uh, do it, uh, if I don't work out, I might look, uh, I'm in a less uh, healthy shape than if I uh, eat healthy and go uh, to the gym. And that's not uh, a sense of good or bad. It's just consequences or karma. 
karma as action and result. But the, the larger awareness loves us left or right. We make a mistake, we do something stupid or we do something great. It, uh, it's, it, its nature is that it loves us. I think that we have a, a bigger problem loving ourselves when we do those things than this larger awareness that seems to uh, be in a completely different state of consciousness that loves us uh, anyway. Mm-hmm. And we have to work a bit on it, most of us at least. Yeah, that self-love, it definitely seems to be at the root of most problems for people. Yeah, and uh, it is. Uh, we, have a, a, we have an inborn critical voice that sometimes is helpful and very often uh, excessively uh, ma- makes us feel bad about who we are. And then we have uh, sometimes a spiritual belief that if we don't work hard enough, we don't, we don't deserve it or we need to, uh, yeah, we need to earn love. Well, actually our basic nature is love, but we don't always live from that. And, uh, so it's, uh, being human is not, uh, is not, uh, an easy, uh, activity. <laughs> and, and, and learning to love ourselves is, uh, is an invitation, is a journey. And sometimes we're better at it than other times and, we can we can become more stable in it and dreams can help i love what i've always seen one of them i've come back to a couple of times today if people ask the question what is one thing i can do to love myself more deeply that that almost always re- uh, generates a response for the individual it's as if the dream loves us asking that it says oh let me tell you if you do this You'll love yourself more and then you'll be able to love others better and then others love you more and things in general becomes a, become a more loving place. What an inspirational message and what a great question to meditate on and, and for all of us to invite into our dreams. Machiel, I've really enjoyed talking with you today. Is there anything else you want to share about harnessing the power of dream incubation today? Well, uh, I want to thank you for your curiosity and your engagement and your sharing your dreams. So that was uh, super fun. And what I want to encourage people is play and experiment. The, the dream loves to be uh, met. Uh, you don't have to believe that. It's all fine. Play, experiment, see what works for you. Oh, you didn't get an answer that you, that you uh, understood. Ask something else. Uh, or go with your dream to some people and see what they say. Be playful. And, uh, uh, and when you see that this works, you have a tool for any time you are somewhere stuck in your life. Uh, because you can do it once and then in uh, one year or three years again. You can do it uh, every week. It's just a way of getting in touch with uh, the larger awareness. And uh, if you have an additional tool that can help you on the journey of life, I think it would be uh, it, it, it would be uh, fantastic. And uh, I will be uh, joyed because I spent a lot of years writing a book to provide that tool. And, uh, but uh, but for people to live a little bit better would be great. 
Makiel, thank you so much for all that you've shared with us today. Thank you so much for being with me. Thank you, Emmy. It was a delight to be with you. I look forward to uh, how our paths continue to cross. And for those of you listening or watching, thank you for being with us. We just released issue number two of the New Thinking Aloud quarterly magazine. You can download a free copy at the New Thinking Aloud Foundation website, newthinkingaloud.org.